I'm Richard Fieldhouse and today uh, I'm talking to Judith Harvey, uh, this time not in the uh, British Museum, um, sorry in the British Library but actually via Skype. So this is a, a brand new experiment us for here at NASGP and, and for you too Judith and Judith understand. So how are you? I'm fine thank you. And you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, so today we're going to be talking about your most recent article in the NASGP magazine, Sessional GP, about um, your article on placebos. And are placebos something we should be prescribing uh, in, in the NHS? But you, you, the, the book is, is based predominantly on, on a book by Charles Spence, a, a gastrophysicist, I understand, who's an Oxford psychologist. His book, The New Science of Eating, about... Um, um, the the way we eat food and the psychology behind it, but but you've threaded into this uh, how we as uh, doc, GPs and doctors can um, prescribe um, 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 medications um, and how our other senses sort of can have a, an effect on this and how that sort of ties in with the placebo effect. So so um, you obviously enjoyed reading this book. Um, yes, well he's a bit of a kind of media don I think Charles Spence and I'd read a couple of articles and and thought I would read the book to see if I <laughs> thought there was anything in it uh, whether it was serious science or not um, and I thought it was fascinating what he is doing uh, looking at how really <laughs> how ma manipulatable our, our senses are and how our reaction to food is influenced by context, all sorts of contexts, our past experience, our, our environment, our mood, everything else, and what the food and drink looks like, smells like, how it's presented. Um, I mean, if you can get people to pay knocking 300 pounds for an evening meal um, you know, that's extraordinary but what Ben that led on to because he does mention patients as well and how the same principles can, can be applied to get people who are not hungry need food to eat more so that's what led into writing the article, and that that, that ties in with with uh, obviously us having patients um, living in nursing homes, and and um, how and, and I suppose our experience for many of us working in hospitals over the years is the state of hospital food often, and how how critical nutrition is to to proper recovery and and living a a, a good quality life, and and particularly sort of at the, at the end of life as well, because in in the article you mention how uh, after the age of 70 our, our sense of taste and smell start to decrease and how um, audio cues and other cues other sensory cues come in you, you mentioned that, that, that when we eat food you start the article when we eat food um, it involves actually all, all of our senses and I, I find, found that really really interesting because not many other things do that and you suggest you know particularly if someone's not got any teeth and they're eating some toast and and and, and they're elderly and sort of the end of life and, and and not really being able to taste food so well because they can't hear a crunch that's right uh, and as anybody who's ever had a cold which is all of us knows uh, when your nose is totally blocked food loses a lot of its savor and the nose is far more important than actually the taste buds uh, in giving us 
a sense of flavour. And you, you, you mentioned that in, 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 uh, on, on noisy, rumbling um, aeroplanes, the aviation industry has, has, has tacked into this by giving us more tastier food, enhancing the food um, when, we're on, when we're on air flights, which apparently is why Bloody Marys are so popular. Tomato, tomato with Worcester sauce, the umami flavours, I understand. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Yes, exactly. Um, and the noise, the, the rumble apparently has an effect on how we appreciate food uh, and if you take that into account and tailor your food to being eaten in the environment with this background rumble uh, then it'll appear um, that the person who's eating it will will think it's much nicer when when you and when you started talking you you, start, you you i think in your first sentence you used the word manipulate and manipulation and 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 and, and, and airlines have kind of got hooked into this in terms of a a behavioural economics sort of way in that they are they're manipulating us in a very nice way by by serving up these these extra tasty foods um and and you also mentioned about, about nanny states and how many people don't like to being, you know, having taxed on salt or, or sugar or whatever. But actually, there are other more subtle ways for us as a, a nation to to get our uh, people eating more healthily. Um, but 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 and that, that 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 makes me think too about about being manipulated by advertising as well because you, you you mentioned how. Um, it, it can it's, it's, it's going to be a way for us to get our patients to eat more uh, and enjoy their food more and all the benefits of that can have. But obviously, we walk around a high street or look online or on the TV and, and bang, there's an there's an advert for some gorgeous, lovely, unhealthy food or drink. And um, and, and and but again, they're using subtle messages and colours and and all sorts of appealing to all our our, our senses there. Um, and I think what we're you're suggesting is that we should almost start to fight back. Uh, we almost have to fight back to uh, um, um, to make people eat more health healthier. There's, I mean, there's, there's the, the talking about um, um, uh, psychologists who like the uh, the uh, uh, who like to be in the headlines. There's, but I remember Paul McKenna doing a, a book about think yourself thin, and in that there's something about. I've actually sometimes re- recommended it to patients, but um about actually getting people he's got some 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 mechanism for getting people to stop eating chocolate by i think it's when they eat chocolate you're supposed to pinch yourself or, or exert yourself pain or something um as as a, as a as a rather odd way to 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 put yourself off actually quite a nice treaty type of food which which isn't it just isn't healthy per se it's just in the volumes that we tend to eat it in um and it's all quite sad in that way i find um so, in terms of um, uh, then going on about about how about the placebo effect um, and, and medications and and, and and tell us more about what what your thoughts are about us as GPs being able to. In his book, Charles Spence does talk about medications and about our responses to those, and at least to some degree more about food. But it, it struck me that. It's all part of the same thing that you are, your response to a medication depends an awful lot on the circumstances. And as we all know, patients get the same drug, uh, a different generic is prescribed, 
uh, dispense them in. And they're absolutely sure that it's not as good, even though you can demonstrate that it's made using the same ingredients on the same production line, but it's not what they're used to. So there's a lot of psychological stuff going on. And then I read about uh, Professor Andy Carr, the orthopedic surgeon in Oxford, who is testing the hypothesis that a lot of elective procedures, um, including orthopedic, as he started with orthopedic procedures, um, are no better than placebo. Well, we know that there's work on um, arthroscopy of knees, uh, and there's a lot of people have an interest in feeling that it's beneficial. The patient doesn't want to let the surgeon down and they want to feel that they've gone through that for something. The surgeon really wants it to work too. And yet we know that there's quite a lot of evidence that it really doesn't do anything very much for most people. So if you can run placebo trials with surgery, that's pretty interesting. Um, And we know what a lot of success um, what high ratings homeopaths get. And I thought, I, I looked at the research and found that you know, what placebos do to our brains, they, um, you can give people with Parkinson's placebo treatments and they release more dopamine. Um, that's absolutely fascinating. So actually, <laughs> and, actually having a physiological uh, uh, yeah. effect then, a measurable physiological effect. Yeah, yeah. Yes, physiological and anatomical. You can see the brain light up um, when you give placebo analgesia. Uh, it lights up in the same area of the brain that um, uh, real analgesia or compounds that we regard as treat as analgesics, aspirin or paracetamol, whatever effect. Absolutely fascinating. So, 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 so proper science showing that actually sugar pills, if the patient is believes that they're going to have an effect, it, 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 it is a it is a, something that actually does work. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and the interesting thing is that when the trials are unblinded and the patient um, finds out they're on the sugar pill, some patients say, well, it really worked for me. Can't I stay on it? Gosh. And, and, uh, and this starts to tie into with homeopathic medicine too, yeah. that, 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 that whole area. But, yeah. but in, in my, in my um, definition, I guess, my, my earlier pithy definition of um, manipulation, that was about um, helping people change their behaviour through... Uh, I suppose sort of more, more subtle ways, but, but the tr- I suppose the trouble is with homeopathic medicine is that there is actually really really good science to, behind homeopathic medicine to say that it doesn't work. Yet mm. we still, many people still believe um, it, it, it does work. But but that would it does does the placebo effect explain that? And and, and and bearing in mind that people are so passionate, some people are so passionate about homeopathic medicine that 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 it people do feel better and that is that is science because that's the placebo effect working and it's a very powerful effect and you mentioned some um tr- trial of, of antidepressants and numbers needed to treat and, the, and the, the highest scoring one was actually a placebo yes that was um an, an analysis of several hundred trials um and that that's absolutely fascinating it's uh, and it's not j- just that um, it's better doctor-patient relationships because 
all these medications were given with the same sort of doctor-patient relationship. So it's not just that one group felt better cared for and then thought, and therefore thought the drugs were better. Um, it's because everybody got the same sort of treatment, the same sort of personal treatment. Yeah. Um, it's very, uh, it really is very interesting at how you turn that into a, a practice that the NHS or all allopathic doctors can buy into is a very different matter. Um, we know that we don't know how a lot of drugs work really, um, and we don't, we can only guess at how placebos work mm. um, at each and that will depend on what condition the patient has um, but everybody has to agree that this is a reasonable thing to do uh, they have to find we have to find ways of explaining to patients that are not dishonest and I think I quote one suggestion that I read you say something along the lines that we don't know how this pill works, but we do know that some people are helped by it. Would you like to try it? Um, and that's not dishonest. Um, but it has to stand up to the GMC, to the court of law, um, and to be something that enough of our colleagues can accept before we can use it to make the most of its therapeutic effects. And I think that's quite a long time away. Yes, it is. It's finding that little that that bridge. That and it could be. It could be as sim very simple as that that little phrase of wording you just you just use here. That 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 seemed actually seemed very, very very elegant to me as a way of of um, of, of when you're with that patient, you've tried all sorts of different things, and uh, it just works. I remember seeing a patient once who had a. Uh, some some condition I can't remember what it was, but he said to me, you know, what about homeopathic medicine? I gave my usual reply as you know, we don't we don't know, but he's no harm no harm in trying. But he gave the example. He worked with Rolls Royce engines, and once he he was a an, an engineer, and they designed this fantastic engine, and they just couldn't get the thing to work, and they spent millions on it. So in the end, they gave uh, one of the mechanics uh, 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 gave him a. Um, spanner and just basically said look you know just have a fiddle with it and this guy spent a couple of weeks and logged 72 different changes to this engine um just randomly just fiddling with bolts and doing what he thought would would be right and and lo and behold the uh, the engine worked and they've no idea what what, what which thing he did and, and it's like well it doesn't quite it, it ultimately if it does work and it's safe and and, and it's getting getting from from this this moral dilemma to actually a common day sense well kind of it it, it does kind of work what always foxes me um is if you excuse the pun is, is how so many people tend to tend to justify homeopathic medicines saying how it works fantastically on pets and horses and, and animals and, and we had a chicken who was rather poorly a few years ago and my wife dutifully booked a, an appointment for me to take our, one of our three chickens to this vet who then prescribed homeopathic medicine for it and uh and and, and stung me for 30 quid which i'll never see again and 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 actually three days later the chicken was dead along with the other two chickens because a fox had taken them so whether that's um, a scientific outcome or not i don't know but there's lot there's this there's, there's, there's so much in here to think about and um and I certainly 
feel more I guess emboldened really to 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 be a little bit more open-minded with patients in terms of um being open to the the fact that 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 if if, if, there's, if there's something that's safe out there sugar pill homeopathic water whatever um that that actually that is a potential option if, if that's something that they feel i feel comfortable and they feel comfortable doing is that is actually giving that a go yes i th- i think there's you have to think about whether total objectivity whether it be in a randomised controlled trial or or in is this sandwich tasty, um, doesn't exist. We come to absolutely everything with a massive context Mm. and pretending that the results for this patient of a medication will be exactly the same as the average that came out of that randomized control trial is is unrealistic um, because that's the randomized control trial is averaging uh, a huge number of experiences and we bring our own experience to everything our beliefs our state of mind our mood our I, and and think that that is really the art of general practice is is navigating our way around that massive context as you describe it of of of, of you've got all the science you've got all the um the the the, the rumor and speculation and and, and um sort of cult, cultural beliefs and then putting that in the context of of of, of both your medical training and what you're being presented with and the patient's beliefs, all that massive context, winding your way through that every 10 minutes. I mean, wow, what a, what a yes. job we all do. Yeah. And, and, of course, it's not just the patient. You may persuade the patient that they don't need medication and that they should do this, this and this, and they'll get better. And they go home, what, the doctor didn't give you any prescription? Yeah, yeah, I forgot to mention Googling that, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Judy, thank you ever so much. It's been really good to talk to you um, and um, hope uh, our, our readers and listeners uh, enjoy this and, have in, and enjoy the article itself, which I highly recommend. It's all, 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 uh, all um, linked through to this, this podcast. And, and Judith, thank you ever so much. Not at all. Uh, thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Bye.